What's up, guys? Welcome back to Small Talk What's It, the podcast with your host, Cindy Matone. And we are live in Miami, baby. We officially moved in Saturday, and my roommate just corrected me because I messed up already three times today. And it's so weird. I am no longer in New York, and it hasn't fully hit me yet, but the apartment is absolutely amazing. I'm here with my best friend in the world. I'm currently recording this at night at my table, looking at a view of downtown Miami, and I really couldn't be happier. It's very, very weird. And I don't know about you guys, but I know for me, there's been like a lot of changes in 2023 and a lot of friends of mine have been going through their own personal changes. So I'm kind of feeling like a different energy this year. There's just like a new vibe with a lot of people. So I'm very much here for it. And I hope that you guys are having a good start to your year so far and everyone's in a good mindset. And if you're not there, just know that things do pass and we've all been there and nothing lasts forever. But with that said, I have such an amazing guest today. He is literally so dope. I found him on a TikTok video, actually, and I reached out to him and we just really hit it off. And it's such a good conversation. And I can't wait for you guys to meet him. What a cool, cool story. So very good for those that have an entrepreneurial spirit. And I think everyone can take something away from this episode. So with that being said, let me introduce you to today's guest. Okay, so in this episode, I'm chatting with the founder and creative director of Siegelman Stable, along with Forbes 30 Under 30 nominee, Max Siegelman. We should all know by now that every great brand tells a story, and that's exactly what he does. Max was always inspired by his father's horse training career and farm that helped aid in horse therapy programs for veterans, nurses, doctors, and inner city youth. One day, he came across the merch of his father's and decided to recreate it for those close to him. Eventually, the designs caught attention from others, and Max decided to create the brand Siegelman Stable in 2020. In just a few short years, he's been able to make a name for himself in the world of streetwear. Celebrities like Kendall Jenner, Future, Kygo, Aaron Judge, just to name a few, have been seen wearing his apparel. During the conversation, Max and I discussed the thought process he had while building the brand, the reality of being an entrepreneur in fashion, how his past and current work experience has been beneficial in his growth, and much more. So, if you want to meet the legend himself, then I suggest you keep on listening. Now, let's meet Max. Hey guys, I'm here with Max now, and we were just talking about how December has been a whirlwind. Honestly, all of like fall and winter has been crazy, but how have you been, Max? I'm good. It's definitely been uh, it's definitely been crazy, um, but if it's not crazy, it means something's not going well, uh, I think. So uh, happy with the craziness, happy the year is ending with craziness. Uh, and we actually pick up with more craziness to start the year. So just excited. It's all going uh, in the right direction. I know I made sure to snag because you just had your last drop of December, like I think it was a few weeks ago. And I made sure I had to snag something because your shit sells out so fast, like so, so fast. Um so yeah, that was- uh, sorry. Yeah, no, it, we, we did it. Uh, I mean, we did it a few weeks before I think maybe a brand would typically do their last drop just because we wanted to make sure that we had time to have everyone receive their stuff in case it was holiday gifts or, or what have you. But um, but yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's definitely been a blessing that things have been going well. And, and when we put stuff out, it, it goes pretty quickly. Uh, so it's uh, it's all good. Totally. So what's going on with the brand right now? You guys are getting ready for January, you said? Yeah, um, we have just some of our own stuff that we're dropping in January. uh, And then we pick up in 2023. I mean, we have at least one thing on our calendar from February 23 until uh, like November of 2023. Um, Both collaborations as well as our own stuff. uh, We're toying with maybe doing something for... uh, uh, New York Fashion Week in September. Um, so it is, it, it's moving. 
Yeah, we're gonna get into all of the Siegelman staple stuff, but like, but back to you though. Like, I'm always on the hunt for like really cool people with like really cool stories, and like you are doing like the most in like the best way. So, just to backtrack, so like our audience get to get to know you a little bit more. Where did you grow up? What was childhood like? So let's talk about that. Cool. I grew up just uh, outside New York City um, on Long Island in a town called Roslyn Heights. Uh, I played soccer growing up, so I spent a lot of time um, traveling, but the majority of my team was like spread out in all five boroughs and we practice in Queens. So kind of feel like I grew up in, in that type of city ish, uh, environment, um, which makes it all the more interesting when you say that your dad is a racehorse trainer, when you grow up in, in New York or in your, around New York city, at least. Um, so, uh, so yeah, I mean, both my parents worked, uh, have one older brother, uh, and been in New York for, for pretty much my entire life. Okay. And when you say your dad's a Roy, uh, racehorse trainer, that mean meaning like guys that are like doing it professionally, like he would be the one to like get the horses ready to race. Is that what yeah, it is? Exactly. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So he, he trained racehorses for uh, either groups of people or people who owned racehorses uh, and had his uh, his own stable in, in South Jersey, as well as on Long Island. Uh, and if you look at the side of the hat, it says 1982. And that's the uh, that's the year he started his own racing stable. Amazing. Okay. So when you're getting ready, so you're done with high school now, did you go to college or no? I went to college. I went to a state school in upstate New York, Oneonta, played soccer there. Uh, everyone always asked me what I majored in. I always kid around and so I majored in soccer, um, but majored in communications and, and sports management. I always thought I wanted to work in sports. My mom worked for ABC Sports and ESPN for over 45 years. She just oh, wow. retired. Uh, so I was like, yeah, I'm going to work in sports. And then I think you uh, you graduate or you intern while you're in college and you realize, uh, maybe quote unquote, working in sports isn't all you thought it would be. Um, but sports was always like my passion, what I really wanted to do. Um, so that's what I, I thought I would do when I graduated school. What was your first job out of college? If you remember? Yeah. Um, I actually started a company called Rouse social with, uh, a friend of mine's older brother. He was about 15 years or so older than us. He worked in website development space for some celebrities uh, and came to me with an idea as he wanted to create this social aggregation tool before there was like a social aggregation tool for um, fans to follow their favorite music artists, celebrities, athletes, brands, uh, and all of their social media channels in, in one. Uh, so I started that company with him when I first, uh, first graduated, kind of started before I graduated. Um, and we were lucky enough to have LL Cool J be a uh, investor and co-founder with us. And that was kind of my first entree, I guess, to like entertainment, um, but was my first job right out of school. LL Cool J, doesn't he have a house in Manhasset? Is that how you knew him from Long Island or no? Uh, I was introduced to him through his boxing trainer. Okay. Uh, so like I would, uh, I would like go to the gym at 5 a.m. before work when I first graduated school, trying to like stay on course with like soccer, like in college, you'd get up early go to practice or work out, go to class, go to practice, game, whatever. So like I kind of was like on a timely regiment and I kind of just kept to it and met him randomly in the gym. He, he asked me what I was doing and was telling him about the company. And he's like, would you ever want to partner with a music artist or entertainer or whatever? And like three weeks later, I was having dinner at Lava with LL and, and that's kind of how it started. Amazing. No, I've heard great things about him. That's a funny connection. Yeah, um, but um, but I'm asking this because so did you always have an entrepreneurial spirit or were you this is kind of something you're like, I'm just going to go for it? Or was this something you always like thought about, like as you were growing up that I'm always going to like have my own business in some way? 
Yeah, I think I think I I think that's maybe probably when I first started feeling it. It's like I I enjoyed working for myself, making myself uh, responsible for for doing what had to be done. Mm-hmm. Um, I think probably pre graduating school, I I never thought of it that way, and I feel like it was probably at the cusp of like when people started calling themselves entrepreneurs or founders or whatever, like it was right in around that, like 2008, nine, or sorry, 2012, 13 time. Uh, and, and I guess it, I enjoyed it more than if I had to respond to a boss of a boss of a boss to do tasks. And uh, I think it's always just feels better when you work for yourself and you're doing things for, for yourself or a business sure. that you're trying to grow. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think it was at that moment. I probably realized that. Okay. Yeah. And you know, it's funny that you, this was your first job straight out of college, because I think a lot of people, they do explore the whole corporate route first. And then that happens maybe a little bit later on with like, I got to get out of here, but you did it from the get-go, but you're yeah, two I mean, parents. Yeah. Go ahead. Sorry. Not to butt in, but like, I mean, still, I technically still have a quote unquote corporate job as well. Like Siegelman Stable is not my full-time thing. Yeah. Though sometimes it feels that way. Um, I have the up, outfront media, right? Yeah. I head up cultural relevance for, for outfront. Uh, I started out front like six, five or six years ago, they hired this 24 year old or 23 year old that said that they could start their social media department. Uh, and it worked out well. Um, and the team there has grown in, in the social part of it. Um, and they've allowed me to grow outside of out front, which I think benefits and is an amazing balance. And, uh, I think most people 99% of the time don't get that opportunity and, and mm-hmm. work with those types of people that allow that. Um, but I think that they see benefits to it. Obviously I'm very, um, thankful for, for them allowing me to do it as well. So just thought I'd plug that in there. No, for sure. We're, I mean, I have a whole section about out front, but I feel like you're a perfect, like really pairing of your parents because like you have like mom who is, she was all about, I'm sure she networked like crazy. She met like really awesome people over the course of her 45 years. And then you have your dad who like, I'm sure did the same thing, but he came at it, came at it from more of like a business perspective. So I think like having those two people in your life, like it makes a lot of sense why you're kind of doing now what you're doing. Um, is that fair to say? Yeah, definitely. And I think, yeah. I mean, to give my mom, maybe a little bit more credit outside of the corporate stuff. Like she, she did start the job that existed that she had for 45 years when she was there. So I guess in an entrepreneurial spirit way, mm. created that lane for, for herself, which then you saw other huge, uh, networks and brands, uh, start those departments, uh, uh, also. So, um, I think, yeah, I mean, I think <clears throat> I had this conversation a lot with, with, with my girlfriend or with whoever, and just like growing up, we always see, and I think it evolves with times, like you always see is like, you need to go to school, you need to get a job, you need to make sure they have insurance and a 401k and this and that and this. And it's like, it's not really, uh, yes, it's very important. Yes, uh, those things are, are needed to some extent, but it's like, that's not really what I think the younger generation now, like people graduating or or I'm not going to bucket you at my age. I don't know how old you are, but uh, 26, but I got So, so yeah. So like people our age, like what they um, aspire to want, right? Like I think when we're looking for jobs now, or people our age are looking for jobs now, or just out of school, it's like the first thing they look at is like, Oh, do they have 401k? Do they have insurance? Like, I don't think that that's really like top of the list anymore. It's like, what's the culture like? What are the people like that you're going to work with? Like, is it self-fulfilling? So I just feel like um, 
it's a little off topic what we're talking about, but I, I was just thinking of like how my parents uh, maybe started their careers, whether it was like somewhat entrepreneur spirit or also having a little bit of a, a corporate structure, um, but just how that's kind of evolved over the last like almost, I guess, 30, 40 years, but uh, even more so in the last like 10, 15. I mean, to your point, I mean, just like culturally, like everything has shifted. I mean, there's that's why like today, like TikTokers are making millions of dollars um, and they don't need to have like those typical jobs. So yeah, you're right. It's, we don't have to follow like that same path that like our parents once did. Um, yeah. not, not, not saying everyone's parents did that, but most people did. And I think it's just because like people want to feel a sense of security. But I always say that like these are the years to like take those chances. Like there might be a time in your life, maybe you do have to play a little bit more safe, especially when you start growing a family and you have other obligations. But right now, like if you're single or even like in a relationship without kids, like this is the time in your life to like start taking those chances. Um, Totally. You can buy you these insurance time for 11 bucks a month. Like, yeah. Right. <laughs> right. So true. Um, but start talking about Siegelman Stable. I mean, this has been such like a massive success and it's only been what exactly two years, I think. Um, yeah, it's like just over two years. It's wild. Been- yeah. So, and yeah. I mean, like this has been like, you've been trending on socials. I literally found you through TikTok. Um, so talk about, I already know the backstory, but for those listening, like how, what was the initial inspiration behind the brand? Today's episode is sponsored by Rocket Money. Do you know how much your subscriptions cost? Most Americans think they spend around $80 a month on subscriptions, when the actual cost is closer to $200. If you don't know exactly how much you're spending every month, you need Rocket Money. Rocket Money, formerly known as Truebill, is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps you lower your bills, all in one place. I don't know about you guys, but in 2023, I'm trying to be better about my finances and what I'm spending my money on. And I have a million subscriptions between Netflix, Hulu, Amazon, my vitamin subscriptions. It's hard to keep track of everything. And this app keeps everything neat and organized in one place. So if you want to cancel something or just keep track, this is the app to download. So stop throwing away your money, cancel unwanted subscriptions, and manage your expenses the easy way by going to rocketmoney.com slash smalltalk. That's rocketmoney.com slash smalltalk. Rocketmoney.com slash smalltalk. Now, let's get back into the episode. Yeah, I love that you say you saw us trending on TikTok because our my my personal TikTok and, and by personal I mean like myself and Seagull and Stable is like not good. We've mm. been lucky enough to have some um some TikTok creators like do really, really like nice pieces on us. I actually saw last night I went on just to look and I actually saw this guy was like, I saw some finance dude in a Patagonia vest wearing a Seagullman stable hat. It's over. And I was like, sick yeah amazing like, amazing yeah. thanks for your thanks for the plug to your uh 76 followers or whatever but <laughs> um but yeah i mean i mean it's it's been a pretty crazy ride over the last like just over two years um mm. i mean i never i don't want to say i never pictured it but like when i started it i definitely didn't picture it uh at this point um and the way it started was basically like we were in the beginning of the pandemic. I wasn't traveling as much for work with clients for presentations or panels or whatever. And uh, I always wanted uh, a newer Siegelman stable hat. Like my dad has had uh, one that was like, is actually the OG red and gold that was like satin material from like the eighties and a, and a coach's jacket that said Siegelman stable on the back with a horse and then on the front my grandfather's name was actually embroidered on it and like those are the only two pieces i ever had so like when i first started i was like i'm gonna do it like i'm gonna make 
15, 20 hats. I'm going to make 10 sweatshirts and literally just like give it to my family and friends because people had wanted it in the past. And that's what I did. I took two, 300 bucks and, and started it and either gave it to my family or friends or whoever it was, uh, and then did it again. Uh, and then I would maybe charge the 15 bucks or whatever, 20 bucks it cost me to make each product. Uh, and I would just keep taking that money and putting it back. And then it got to a point where I was posting either myself wearing it or just posting the hat or whatever. And people would hit me up on my personal Instagram, be like, where do I buy that? Like, what's the website? Where can I get it? Love um, it. and I was like, whatever, let me start a Shopify and post a a product shot for my iPhone um, and, and upcharged a little bit. Uh, and that's kind of how it started. I ended up doing like those six SKUs, like three different color hats, three different color sweatshirts, um, and just kept reinvesting the money each time. And I, I wasn't making a lot of product in the beginning. I was making like 70 hats and like 30 sweatshirts. And I was just like, I don't, I didn't know what I was doing. Um, and then once it kind of got a roll uh, on and I, I sent it to a few um, either basketball players or, or hip hop artists that I had some relationships with. Uh, I think that's when you started to really see um, some quicker momentum, I guess, to to get some attention. Yeah, no, I love that. First of all, like the most organic way you can do that. I mean, that's like entrepreneurship 101. Like you did it exactly the way most people, you know, that are really <laughs> successful do do it. Um, So it's pretty cool to see that's how it started. But I also was going to say like networking, like the importance of networking. This is why I say this all the time. Even if you don't have something going for you yet, this is this is the time you do start shaking those hands and introducing yourself because you were in a position that when you were, were ready to launch something, you already had those connections. And so it was able to grow at a faster, you know, rate. Yeah. And I always think it's like, like networking for me has always been like the number one thing because you just never know where you're going to end up. Like mm -hmm. you think you're going to be doing something forever. You end up doing something different every six months. And then you find yourself doing something for a few years, whatever it is. But like the people that you meet along the way are going to be significant at some point, especially yep. if you have and keep that relationship with individual people that you think will be. Um, so I always say like, when you meet people or you start doing something or someone asks you for something like don't always expect something in return immediately or just like go out of your way a little bit to do it or make an introduction and i always give the examples like the, the person who introduced the two founders of google was very successful and all they did was make an introduction so whether mm -hmm. you're an introduction to people or you're doing a favor to someone or whatever don't always expect something back immediately right. um but know that they probably won't forget about it uh, and just keep those relationships that you think are important um, just through networking throughout your, your years of, of whatever you're working on. Yeah. And just being likable is like just half the battle. Like just, if you if you're a cool person that others like to be around and like you just kind of like vibe with them, like that gets you like way farther than you think. Um, I always just say like, just be normal. Like, right, <laughs> right, right. And there's not many of those these days, unfortunately. But yes, be normal. I love that. Um, no, I was literally at a party this weekend and I was like chatting with this like really cool girl and we're like vibing. And I was like, oh, what do you do for work? And she's like, oh, I'm actually filming right now for New York Housewives. I was like, oh, casual. Um, and she's like, and then she's like, oh, she's like, I'd love, and I was telling her I do a podcast. She's like, oh my God, I've never been on a podcast before. Like, I'd love to come on yours. So, like, we exchange numbers or whatever. And like, it literally happens like that, like just yeah, like that. Super organic. That's the best. And then it will yeah. come off organic. It'll feel good good. It's just right. like that. Those are the best ways that things happen. hundred percent. And to go back to give credit to your dad, Robbie Siegelman. So 1982. So I know his, and I know you talked about it a little bit, but he had, he was doing therapy with horses and he was helping all different sorts of people with their trauma. And that's, that's basically what he was doing before, you know, this brand was even a thing. 
Yeah. So, so I mean, yeah. So, so to bring it back is like, after I decided to launch Shopify and do the drops and all that, when I was like, okay, I'm going to give this thing like a go. But like, when I was like, I'm going to give this thing a go is like, I'll do a drop for a hundred or so pieces. Um, I always said that I would stay true to his story. So at the end of the day, all of these different collabs, capsules, whatever we're doing is just telling his story in a different way. The story is like already written. So it's like, how are we going to tell it to an audience that one is going to be attracted to the clothes or is interested in horse racing. And I think like we find ourselves in like an interesting place where like we're at the intersection of like uh, streetwear or luxury fashion, but like also people who care about horse racing in Sweden or New Zealand or Australia. And like people are buying hats in New Zealand, and Australia, they're paying 50 bucks for, for delivery, whatever it is. Right. So, but we wanted to make sure that we stayed true to his story where we take a portion of all proceeds and we donate it to equine therapy programs. Uh, and the reason doing this is yes, because my dad always kind of opened up his um, his racing stable to different programs or started new programs or, or different organizations to uh, lend his racehorses to do more than just race. Um, so I think when people hear equine therapy, I either get, oh yeah, I know what equine therapy is. And I've had someone who struggled with, or know someone who struggled with, uh, alcohol addiction or as a veteran and they, and they do it to, to, um, soothe their PTSD and, and, or someone's like, oh, therapy for horses. And so like, it, it's just funny that the, the, uh, the responses that, and the reactions that you get. So, so yeah, equine therapy for me is important one, because it, it's, uh, it really is a part of my dad's uh, story. Uh, two, I've witnessed like what it does for people when they're around these horses and and what it means to them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think the third one is it, it really gets, I think it's horse racing and it's just, just equine therapy and the horse community in general out there in a cool different way. Uh, and I think the the horse community and I like loop it all in together, whether like you're uh, a fortunate enough child to grow up with a horse because you enjoy riding or you're fortunate enough to own a racehorse or you've never seen a racehorse before and it's aspirational. Mm. Uh, I think there's a lot of different stories out there that you hear uh, and we kind of just try to bring the best ones to, to, to a spotlight. Um, so we, we either will partner with an equine therapy program um, for each drop. Uh, we'll either... Uh, partner with the one that my dad spends a majority of his time with now working with, with veterans and special needs kids. Um, but it's definitely an important piece of everything that we do. Um, we just made two pretty big donations to close out this year. It was kind of a celebration of us hitting 10 K on Instagram, um, which was really never the goal for us, but it's definitely an achievement. So we wanted to make sure that we recognize that and thank the community that we, um, have had the fortune to, to grow with, uh, on Instagram, um, in donating to horse ability, which is an equine therapy program on long Island, um, for special needs, kids, uh, veterans, et cetera. And, uh, uh, a, um, an equine therapy program called rise therapeutic, uh, in Texas, uh, who we actually were partnered with, with our collaboration with the San Antonio Spurs earlier this year. So much good stuff in there. I mean, I was even checking it. I was I was just checking out your socials too. And like the fact that like you keep up with it and like you're still like going to hospitals and like letting kids ride and stuff. I mean, I think it's so important like to never lose like the mission of like why you started what you're doing. Um, And also like most brands should know this is that like you have to have the story. Like that's what people are buying into is the story. Like you don't even have to like be riding horses to like fall in love with the brand story. Um, And like that's what and people today, the generation, it's so interesting because 
products now. Like I feel like there was um, a time where like fast fashion was really a thing, but because Instagram has kind of shifted purchasing, like people love buying, at least I do, like buying from smaller brands that have these really cool stories. And that's where like most of the items that I wear are from um, are these smaller brands. So I think like people, that's what they're falling in love with as well. But you don't have to, uh, no, you don't even have to like be riding horses to to appreciate what you guys are doing. Um, I've had experience. I, so I just started two years ago horseback riding and I definitely could to attest to the fact it is the, one of the most therapeutic things because when you're on the horse, it you're, first of all, I'm not thinking about anything else. That's all I'm thinking about is riding. And what I've learned is like, there's really such a, there's a relationship that's happening between the horse. They know when you have anxiety, they know when you're chill. Um, and so it's definitely helped me with my, my own thought process. But I love like the backstory behind all of that. And it's cool just to see like, the growth congratulations on 10k by the way that's uh that's that's major but i don't think brands um the the cool thing about you is that you guys don't have to have like this massive following to be successful um and you would think that like oh a brand would have to have like over at least over 100k to be doing well but like that's not the case and so you kind of said it before you said it was your connections but what else do you think is the reason why people why the brand has been so successful in the last 2 years yeah i think i think there's a few things with it i think um one, your your clothes have to have to be good, right? Like someone mm. can buy it, but they're not going to come back and buy it. It's a lost customer. So one, I think I think the way we uh, create our products, uh, either it's the embroidery or the print and the the, the stuff that we use, I think um, speaks to that, uh, which is always tough when you're really only an e-commerce uh, brand. People can't see it and touch it in real life, so it's a little bit tougher. Um, but the other thing too, I like it. I think I hit on it. It's like I think our our are everyone's like what's your target and i'm like every, anyone and everyone like mm. i want to like i want to be able to be uh like relatable to someone in the middle of iowa who's working on a farm and i also want to be relatable to uh, a young kid who's interested in hip-hop music in atlanta georgia like i want everyone to be able to wear it and so far we've done a really good job with that uh obviously seeing certain um influential people wear it uh is helpful in, in, in that sense um, but I think that there's two sides. I think there's the aspirational side and the relatability side. Um, so you see someone like Kendall Jenner wearing the hat. It's like, right. she's ridden horses her entire life. She talks about equine therapy and how it's therapeutic for her. And she did a whole segment on, uh, as part of her interview with Jay Shetty on, on, mm -hmm. equine therapy. Saw that. uh, and then you have maybe someone like future who, who wore the hat in a music video, who has no clue what a, a harness horse race is but he sees it and he likes it and it looks cool uh or it's someone who's never ridden a horse before or never even seen a horse in person um and it's aspirational um so i think that that the the audiences that we hit are just there's so much opportunity with the audiences we hit um that that it makes it um a good place for us Totally. Starting an e-commerce brand, because this is your first one, what have you, what's been like one of the biggest challenges you've learned and like, how have you like overcome that? Today, yesterday, the day before, which, which mm, one? Okay. Uh, okay. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot. I mean, there's a lot you don't think of. I don't have experience in a lot. So I'm trying to either learn it or go to people who I know have a better understanding of it than me. I think that the biggest thing you can know when you're starting anything is just like, what are you good at? When are you not? And mm. when you're not good at, can you pass off? um because you can't do everything it's impossible um i'd say one of our biggest learning experiences was our worst experience and it was probably uh moving to do fulfillment uh outside of us doing it um and it was three months of the biggest headache and mistake but probably the best education that i could have gotten 
so uh, we brought it back and we, we've obviously gotten our stuff back under our feet and, and, and are, are trying to figure it all out. But there's always going to be some mistakes you make. Uh, summer is going to suck, but some are going to be a chance and inflection point to learn and figure out how to move forward better. 100%. And speaking of a more fun topic, let's talk about <laughs> the, the creative process, right? The direction. First of all, your campaigns and what you guys do. I'm not just hyping you up. Like it is the dopest shit I've ever seen. Like the one that you had with the horse and the basketball, um, the arena or whatever, um, yeah. the court. That was uh, that was insane. The Yankees collab you guys did. That was awesome. So like what has been like, I guess, from a creative direction perspective, like how do you come up with new ideas and new concepts? And what's that like for you? How far in advance do you plan? Things like that. Yeah. Uh, so the Yankees was not, a, not a collab. I, I did inspo I, inspo. I did, I did receive a letter and it wasn't, it wasn't a Yankees, uh, logo. It just said New York cause I'm from there. But, uh, um, yeah, I mean, I think I, I give a lot of credit. So my girlfriend is also the other half of this business. Um, and we work together all day. Love that. So, uh, she has a huge, uh, or an amazing aesthetic for look, uh and and feel and what things should sound like and look like and, and she does an amazing job with that uh, and has design background um i uh i mean specifically for for the san antonio spurs official collab like i had that pictured in my mind like day one of talking to them about what i wanted to do and i was i think i prefaced the conversation when we were talking about the photo shoot of what i wanted to do it was like can you please not laugh or like say anything until i finish because i was like no way they're giving us the the entire arena. No way they're going to let me control the lights and turn it down. And definitely no fucking way they're going to let me <laughs> place. Um, and first and sure enough, they like let me do all three, four things that I wanted. Um, wow. What people don't know is that we were actually supposed to have one of their players be in the campaign. And the day before um, the agent actually asked them not to be, um, which I respect. But we were already down there and I needed to just find a basketball height person to throw in a mask um and shift some ideas around which mm. we ended up doing and it turned out amazing um so, uh, so in a way it all it all worked out for the best um but how we how we do it and and what we look at is we really try and look back at like when Siegelman stable started like what were the trends so in 1980 or just before that like what did what did uh what did the San Antonio Spurs look like? What was the vibe? Um, for an upcoming collab we have this summer uh, with an MLB team. It's like, what was going on at that time? Like, what did their jerseys look like? What did their hats look like? Like, who were the players? Like, what was their vibe off the field in the locker room? So like, we try and go back in time a little bit to, to get some inspo and then put our twist on it and what we want our aesthetic and our brand and our look to, to be. So. Yeah. No, you're bringing like that, like old school vibe, like making it more modern day. You have this very like it's it's vintagey, but it's still like super crisp and chic. And it's uh, it's got it's a really cool vibe. And the thing is, you would think but you, the guy sells hats and jackets. So, like, why is that important? But again, it's all part of like the brand storytelling. Um, and it really does make a difference. And I know you know that already. Um, but it's cool. So what? So your next collab, you said yours coming up in July. I'm sorry, in January um, with a brand you can share or no? Uh, so our first collab will be in, in February. Uh, okay. It'll be at the Super Bowl, but I cannot say any further who, who, who it will be with. Um, Very exciting. Friday of the Super Bowl. So I believe it's the 11th. 
which will be online and then uh, in-person activation. So I, I can't go further than that. Yep. Uh, and then we do have a few sport teams throughout 23. We have an MLB team, an NBA team, another NBA team. Um, one I'm really, really pumped up about, which I probably shouldn't say, and I won't say yet, in March, April timing um, with an athlete who I think 90% of ourselves or our parents uh, looked up to probably at um, a certain time really made an impact on culture and just the world in general. Um, so I'm super, super amped for that, um, that we just started working on. So we have some really amazing projects and collaborations, and then we have some really amazing stuff, um, just our own stuff, uh, and our first cut and sew stuff, which is, I feel like a really next big step for, for us. I'm so excited. I'm so excited for you. Two questions just to wrap up this section. One, I guess, is this something that you could see yourself maybe doing full-time in the near future? Um, and then two, would you guys ever consider, are you going to remain private or would you maybe start doing wholesale like in other you know, retailers? Yeah, the first one, I'll plead the fifth. I work for a public company, so I, I don't say anything. Uh, okay. The one, um, yeah, I mean, I think that there's, there's some, we've had some opportunities. Uh, we've had some inbound requests. Uh, I think for the right opportunity, there's a chance that uh, we would do something, whether it's just, uh, them holding or selling a project for us or uh, uh, just specific pieces for 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 a place. Um, but I think where we're at right now is like how we do, um, obviously, in addition to our e-com is, is just like these pop-ups that we do, depending on when the where these activations are, who they're with, um, and those types of uh, community growth opportunities for us, I think is, is important. Um, so... I don't know. I'm open to it all. Uh, mm -hmm. I think 2023 will hopefully be our best year yet and biggest year yet. Uh, obviously, that's probably easy to say when you've only been doing it for two years. Um, but uh, I just know that our calendar is full with some amazing projects and products. So I'm, I'm super pumped to get it going. Love to see it. And then like any people that are listening um, that are maybe thinking about starting an e-commerce brand and just are like, I don't know where to start, like finances or just like even in general, they have this idea, but they don't know how to actually execute it. Like what's like a one piece of advice you would give somebody like that? Uh, just go do it. Do it the way that you want to do it. Listen to what everyone has to say and soak it up, but also understand if they're so competent in saying it, why aren't they doing it themselves? So mm. if it's working for you, keep it going. Um, but just keep your eyes and ears open to what could potentially help you positively. Um, I think it's easy to allow a lot of noise in from people who are confident in what they have to say and, and how things should work. Um, but like I said, if, if they were so confident and good at it, I would put a question mark on why they weren't doing it themselves. So hmm. if it's working for you, keep it Fair going. Point. Fair point. And then I was reading your Forbes 30 under 30 article. So we'll talk a little bit about Outfront Media. So I it's out of home media, but exactly like in your own words, when you're like selling somebody on it, like how do you explain what you guys do? Totally. Uh, yeah. So it's, it's out of home media. It's it's billboards that you see both digital uh, and traditional like print or paint, uh, subway ads, bus ads, depending on where you, where you live. Um, and we cover the majority of the United States, especially in every big market. Um, I think the cool thing for, for me in that sense is like, we're literally at the center of culture, like our, our assets, our, our billboards or where we are, where our advertisers are, are living are in the center of culture, um, where people are either commuting to work, the gym, the supermarket, like 
mutual friends, wherever. Um, and it's not a place where you can just scroll by like a ad on Instagram or TikTok or whatever. Um, so I think like for me, it's like, listen, I, I, I'm not a, a seller where I run or I did run our social and now I'm head of cultural relevance. So I get to work with really, really cool people, cool opportunities, um, at different big tentpole events for us. Um, but I think the thing is like, like I just did a, a panel at our Basel with Dave Grutman. Uh, that. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. And he, uh, he got a billboard for his wife in times square for the launch of her jewelry line. And like the effect that that has obviously emotionally, but like, as like a statement of like, uh, coming out as a new brand and then obviously mm -hmm. doing it for his wife, like those types of emotions can't be caught in an Instagram ad or a paid like digital ad. Um, so I think for us, like that's a huge difference maker. Yeah, that's so true. I haven't thought about that actually. Is that like there is nothing like that in person experience, like that that digital does not provide. I mean, unfortunately, like we're shifting away from like you know in person magazines and stuff, but like there's nothing like physically holding something that's even like tangible. Um, so it's cool to see that. Like I understand like the emotional aspect that you tie to it, but when you're selling brands on it, like do is it more about like what's basically like the goal of those you know types of campaigns or when they're doing out of home? Is it more about like the emotional aspect or is it actually like doing like what's like the goal of those i think it's both i think one of the biggest things though is is the relationship that out of home has with social media mm. and like you see like these luxury brands now if you walk around soho and in, in new york or you're in the grove in la like these like lvmh you can't walk around soho and not see a billboard for it uh and there's majority of the time if it's if it's good enough creative that's living on those billboards like it's going to end up on someone's instagram story and their snapchat on twitter sure. or whatever so the amount of, of or the effect that you get when you look at the relationship between social out of home or what we call social out of home uh far extends past just like the people driving or walking by it um so like you might be sitting in your apartment in miami in a few weeks and i take a picture of uh a billboard in soho and i post it and if you follow me you're gonna see it but you wouldn't have saw it if uh if you weren't there right so i think sure. like the amount of uh the amount of attention the amount of engagement the amount of views that something can get beyond the physical asset i think is pretty um epic if i'm a media buyer uh, yeah. looking at all those data points so true um what's been like one of your favorite like creative projects out of home that you guys have done because I've seen some really cool ones over the years where like there's a question on the board or like maybe there's it's designed in a really funky way where it makes you look yeah. twice like is yeah, anything I, yeah yeah obviously like those like those tease and reveal ones are always like fun or if it's like a, a fashion brand like teasing something out like coming soon or um or even like a funny one of like uh Kendall Jenner for like Postmates or something but I think like um, for me, I had the opportunity to meet Virgil through throughout front Virgil Abloh throughout front and had the opportunity to work with him for a number of years um, and, and be able to kind of have an understanding of like how other people outside of the industry view it. Mm. Um, and he like would always pinpoint like basically just his favorite locations uh, and then decide what to do based on those locations. So be like, um very contextual relevant to wherever those existed uh and those typically work the majority of the time but even like thinking past that of like how we can reuse the the vinyl to create bags or whatever it is so like those types of like okay this is going to live on live here but where's it going to go after and what's it going to do what effects it going to have i think those are like the the cooler projects that 
at least I get excited about. Oh, amazing. What a legend and icon and will be definitely missed. Um, very cool. You got to work with him. But yeah, no, you brought up a lot of good points. And I honestly haven't thought about out of home that way before. So I was just curious, like to hear like your take on it. But back to you, Max, just to kind of wrap this up, let's go into personal life. So how are you managing personal and professional at the moment? Or is it non-existent? <laughs> uh, well, I think we, we figured out that my girlfriend and I uh, live, work uh, together and and do do this all together. So how is that? uh far far more amazing than i ever thought uh wow. that something could be um it's uh it, it's amazing yeah i mean we've been doing it for two years together um and both play a huge role in different areas uh of the business uh i'm good at what i'm good at she's good at what she's good at and the stuff that neither of us good at we try and fill those voids either together or or, or bring someone on to help us so um yeah. it's been uh it's been pretty amazing that's really cool that like it brought you together because I feel like a lot of people would think the reverse where it would you guys would like bump heads and I'm sure you guys have had like maybe tiffs over the years but like it um it's cool to see that like it brought you guys closer and I think there's like lover boy I know like him and his girlfriend like or wife at this point um you know they do the same thing where like she's kind of the creative director and then he's kind of doing the business end of it but I do think it's kind of projects or businesses like this where like it kind of does reveal maybe areas of your relationship we're like hey maybe this is something we can work on because any any challenge in like business or not any challenge that like comes in your relationship like it's going to reveal things that maybe we have to work on or just improve our communication skills and correct me if i'm wrong but has that done that for you yeah i mean you'll you'll probably hate me and people listening to this will probably hate me it's like we've literally never fought over anything but that's great like we've yeah um so i mean there's uh there's definitely things that like just through Siegelman Stable that I've learned personally, I need to work on. Uh, and I'm sure she would answer the, the, the same way. Um, so I think it, yeah, I mean, if you asked me two, three, four, five years ago, I was like, are you gonna have a business with your girlfriend? I'd be like, no, you're fucking crazy. I don't, <laughs> I don't wanna work with like friends, family, anyone. And then right. like, now for two years, like we've been doing it, but like it, it like again, it, it, it couldn't be any better, so. I love that. And I love that you guys aren't fighting because I always tell like, relationships like if you guys are fighting during these years like you got the thing coming for you because life only gets yeah. harder so like this should be uh, like the fun part um so yeah so i love that i love that you guys are you know keeping it chill but you specifically though like do you have like a routine that you follow like do you have like certain days you work out or it's kind of like whenever i can fit something in like that's what i do yeah so pre-pandemic i guess pre Siegelman stable i'd probably get up at five or five thirty every day work god out bless <laughs> go to the office or, or whatever um I get up probably at 5 a.m. twice or three times a week now and do that. Otherwise, uh, I will, I mean, I still work out every morning. Like if I don't start my morning with a workout, I wouldn't want to be around me either. So um, I do start every morning with a workout and then just kind of get into the day. Uh, so from a routine standpoint, that's definitely a, a big piece for me, um, at least. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think, I think I probably now have a better understanding that like the day is a lot longer than you think. You don't need to rush into everything as much. And, and it has a thing a lot to do with just like the world shifting through the pandemic and people understanding like either not, not so much like what's important, what's not, that's obviously important, but like things can be done throughout the day and don't need to be started at eight 30 and out of the office at five. Mm. Um, but it's definitely like kind of an always on scenario for me for both yeah. for, 
out front Siegelman stable life, like just always on. What's uh, what fun plans do you have coming up for yourself? Vacation, anything you got going on? Yeah, I mean, we've been trying to book a vacation for six months now, but Siegelman Stable has different plans for us. Uh, but I am the day after Christmas heading to Norway, which is where my girlfriend's from. Her family's still over there. So wow. I'll be there for a week for New Year's, come back. Uh, we had the Super Bowl in Phoenix for our first project, uh, our first big project of the year. Um, and then we're actually taking a vacation straight from there. So that's uh that's how we're kicking off 2023 which which feels good so far have you met her family yet or is this the first time no we've yeah we're good we they actually came here two years ago for thanksgiving because obviously they don't celebrate there i literally picked them up from the airport and went directly to thanksgiving with my parents they came back this year ran ran it back uh i've been there a number of times like her parents want to come here and just hang out with my parents and not us oh i love that yeah very, very good. Well, Max, you're crushing it. Um, also, getting up at 5 a.m. or even just working out in the morning, if you, I, that's something I need to implement more in my life. So truly, God bless, because I can't imagine. Um, <laughs> but but um, I'm excited to all the things you're doing. I feel like 2023 is going to be such an exciting year for you. I'm sure you're going to learn a ton. But it's really cool to watch your journey. And again, so organic. And every guest that I've had come on, every single one, their success really stemmed from doing like having organic growth. So it's cool to hear that like you're following like that same, you know, uh, storyline. But yeah, but thank you so much for coming on. Thank you so much for inviting me. I appreciate it. It's been great. Thanks, Max. Thanks. Bye. Okay, guys, if you're hearing this, that means you made it to the end of the episode. So thank you so much for listening. As always, please be sure to subscribe. So you're the first to hear about new episodes, rate and review. Please leave five stars and a nice comment. It really means the world. It helps my growing podcast. And with that said, you can find all of Max's info in the description of this episode, including his Instagram and links to his website where you can find all the Siegelman Stable merch, which is so, so good. I'm obsessed with it. And with that said, I will talk to you guys very, very soon. Have an amazing week and see you later. Bye.